This is your time to lit up with Angela Breidenbach. Lit Up is lighting up the literary world with book reviews, in-depth expert interviews, and ideas for you to design a lucrative writing career. Expand your imagination to enhance your life. Lit Up is always family-friendly, always good for your heart. Now, here is your host to Lit Up, Angela Breidenbach. Hi there, everybody. This is Angela Breidenbach with Lit Up, and I'm so excited to have with us today my guest, Jason Sherman. Jason Sherman is a serial entrepreneur. He's an award-winning filmmaker, and that's why we're interviewing him today, because I had the blessing and the opportunity to view the film, The King's Highway. And I used a lot of that, well, I can't say a lot, but I used some really important points of uh, research out of being able to watch The King's Highway. He's a journalist, he's a tech startup expert, and he's been featured in media like The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Fox News, and ABC News. He's fluent in Spanish. Ooh, that's really cool. Habla Espanol. (laughs) And he's a classically trained violinist. Oh my goodness, Jason, we have a bit in common. I'm not a violinist, I'm a vocalist. But he's also a regular speaker on Fox's futurist TV show, Exploration Earth 2050. We'll get into a little bit more about him as we find out who Jason is and what it is he does in his real world. But I want to introduce him to you today because we have this wonderful opportunity to share the history of the United States of America are you preparing already, Jason, for 2026? What's 2026? Our, uh, our tricentennial, it's I guess our, it would be called? 250th. <laughs> 250th. It's not, not, not quite the 300. Not yet, quite the 300. <laughs> my, my math isn't so good. <laughs> you know, um, I'm a writer. I don't do math. <laughs> yeah. I knew I knew when you said seventy six or uh, or 50, what did you say did you say fifty six yeah twenty twenty six yeah so I figured it was like the six because I'm a I'm a bicentennial baby I was born in seventy six so I always oh, really? remember that yeah so I remember I always remember the six is always something to do with our uh, our country founding so yeah I am ready for it wow and I'm older than you are because I I was born in sixty four. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not jealous but you know what I was doing in nineteen seventy six. I was at Walt Disney World, and I was at this um, 1976 biennial parade, and I have very vivid memories of these giant George and Martha Washington heads on these parade-costumed people coming down the the street at Walt Disney World. So uh, there you go. I celebrated your birthday, just didn't know it. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I have to thank you so much for letting me watch... Um, the King's Highway, um, I ended up being able to use things like Dr. Rush. You had mm-hmm. um, his home in there and a little bit about him and what he had done for our country. And I used him in um, The Captive Brides. I have a novella in there called His Indentured Bride. And Dr. Rush ends up being the doctor who helps my heroine. So that her name's Myri. And he helps Myri overcome her illness, which I won't tell what it is because that would give away too much of the plot. <laughs> but yeah. it was really cool. And the yeah, hospital. He was, really, he was really important. People, 
people um, always remember people like uh, you know Franklin and Washington and Jefferson, but they they don't always think about people like Dr. Benjamin Rush. You know, and he was a, a big focal point of the film, um, not only because he was one of the Declaration signers, uh, mm-hmm. signers of the Declaration of Independence, but he was like considered the father, the modern father of uh, chemistry and medical and clinical practices, and um, he, you know, he really cared a lot about education and medicine. And um, he really tried to improve education, and he he was opposed to slavery. You know, he was he's he had like a major impact on um, on medicine in America. So you know, he was really important. But people, you know, these people they get pushed into the back uh, the background, and and you know, so I was that's why I was hoping including him in the film would help kind of bolster his reputation a little bit. Well, I hope that we've been able to do that together then, because I actually needed a doctor for my character. But I hadn't. I would thought I was just going to make him up, and I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, he's perfect!" You know, Benjamin Rush. Yeah, yeah, he he really he really would have been a great character in a book um, because he's never used. No one ever uses him, and but he was super, super, super important. You know, um, and he was like one of the founders of American uh, psychiatry. Like he studied mental afflictions and disorders. So like you know, these he, he was one of those people that did things before everybody else did. So it's just yeah. really important, you know? Uh, cutting edge before it was called cutting edge. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, no, I cool really had a good time including him in the story and uh, being, I, I was able to include where his home was located. I was able to include the hospital um, and the different types of medical practice that he had just by drawing out his character from what I learned from your movie. So, awesome. yeah, it was awesome. Hey, by the way, um, tell folks where they can find that movie. Right. So the King's Highway uh, documentary is available right now uh, on Amazon Prime. If you have a membership to Amazon Prime, it's free. If not, you can just buy it on Amazon. Um, we sell the DVDs on our website, which is kingshighwayfilm.com. It's also available on indieflix.com if you have a membership uh, it is also available on a couple of other streaming sites, and uh, our distributor, who's in Los Angeles, is working on getting it on Hulu nice. and uh, the Roku box and all those other you know gadgets and streaming sites that are available, iTunes and stuff like that. So you'll start to see it pop up on a few other places, but um, the best place to find it right now um, is Amazon Prime. That's probably the, the best and fastest and easiest way to find it. Um, unless you want a physical copy, then go to our website. We also sell T-shirts and uh, posters of the 1687 map. Oh, you do! I didn't realize you had T-shirts and posters. Yeah, the I'm shirt gonna... that the shirt that I wore in the movie, the Explorer shirt. Yeah. Uh, that's in the, the we we've been selling tons of those. People love that shirt because you know you can explore the King's Highway with the shirt on. Oh um, and then and then the map that we feature in the film a million times, the 1687 Thomas Holm map. We made that into a poster. We added the King's Highway logo on it, and uh, we added a border around it and um, got those printed up really nice uh, quality and very big seller for us. People love that map poster. Oh, I can believe it. I I did a lot of matching up um, map-wise while I was doing the research because I needed to make sure um, characters were in the right place that that seemed and felt real because I don't like to, you know, make it up if there's something real there. And so it was really fun to to take a look at all this. And I would pause the video and just kind of really study it. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's tough to do. I mean, to figure out where people were on like the old maps versus Google Maps, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I went through that for months. It's it's tough. You got to you know you got to really figure stuff out, and you got to really pay attention to the, um, the 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 evolution of the maps. Yeah, we were just doing some family research because um, I've gone back to school and I'm getting a, a degree in um, genealogical studies, and so I've been doing a little bit for my family, my husband's family, as well as part of the projects for for classes. And we went to Augusta, Montana which is this little tiny dinky town in Montana. But my husband's family had homesteaded there um, back at the turn of the century, 1800s into the 1900s, turn of the century, since we've already had another turn since then. (laughs) And uh, just understanding where the homestead was in relation to where other things are now. Uh, There's been a, uh, I want to say, Mennonite commune. That's, mm-hmm. That it has sold a couple times, and now they and they tore down everything, all the buildings, wow. everything, and so it was very difficult to tell where those buildings had originally stood. And mm. we got so lucky that one of the men who um, we went to the little museum met with a historian there. She took us over to meet another man at his work, and he piled us in his truck when he got off work, drove us out to the homestead. And said, that's where the house was. Because awesome. his parents had been the ones that bought the property um, from my husband's um, grandparents. And wow. so it kind of, if you hadn't had those people, there'd have been no way to know. Because there wasn't even a mark of a foundation left. You know? Oh, man, it's tough. It's you really. Know, that's, that's, that's the big issue is that, you know, history is so old. And without any kind of foundations or markers or anything that tells you what was there, it, it just looks like land. And, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately, there are people out there, not enough of them, but there are people out there who literally dedicate their lives to doing the research and you can pretty much find out anything through the old documents and deeds and maps and letters and um, the provincial councils for every area. Like basically, if you wanted to build a house or you wanted to purchase land, you had to go through what the government was before the government. Mm-hmm. And and there are records and documents and deeds and letters that say, hi, I'm you know John Holmes or John Smith or whatnot, and I want to build this home on from this or- orchard tree to this river to this walnut maple grove, mm-hmm. and and that's what it would say, and, and that would kind of give you if the trees are still there, which they usually are, that gives you an idea of what they were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, and then they had to be approved by this you know so-called government, and um, so yeah, yeah, you can you can find that stuff if you really dig deep enough. Well, uh, didn't William Penn, uh, wasn't he awarded all that land that he was supposed to then in turn sell or award to other people out back right. east? Yeah, I mean, the, the way the way the whole William Penn thing worked was that he was owed, um, you know, some say it was 16,000 pounds by the king of England, um, mm-hmm. back pay for his father, um, as, as you heard in the movie. So basically, he didn't have any money. He had this vast amount of land. So he, he literally... Um, surveyed the land, got uh, Thomas Holm to create the map to entice Europeans to purchase these parcels of land, and that's really he was re- he was a real estate uh, developer. That's what he was. He was just mm-hmm. buying. He literally was just selling land to people. Um, so it wasn't that he was giving any. He gave away a lot to people, of course, but most yeah. of it he sold. He became very wealthy from selling it, and then he gave it all to his kids, Which is and they ended amazing. up selling it. Yeah. And my uh, I have a third times great grandfather that ended up with a 400 acre um, plot of land because of his service to 
the United States government for the Indian Wars and the War of 1812. And, wow. Mm -hmm, and then he turned around and bought 200 more acres. And um, he is um, considered a hero in you know Pennsylvania and in our in our archived history of the United States of America. His name was David Nelson, and his father and grandfather and two uncles um, had fought in the American Revolution. So wow! They were, yeah, and on and then he married a gal named Jane Milligan, whose father also fought in the American Revolution. And so, um, just off the top, out of that one branch of my family, my mother's family, we have over five uh, American Revolutionary War heroes. And That's amazing. Yeah, so seeing your movie, The King's Highway, was just yeah. amazing to me. We'll be right back after this short break with Jason Sherman, and we'll talk a little bit more about what he does for a living. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. We are back on Lit Up with our guest, Jason Sherman, who is the writer and the creator and director of the King's Highway movie that I used in the research for the Captive Brides collection, the novella, His Indentured Bride. And I actually used a lot beyond Dr. Rush, but we were talking on the break that fascination with the history of how our country came to be, the American Revolution. Okay, Jason, so not only did I have at least five soldiers in my family direct lineage, but in on that same branch, you skip over to the ladies' side, and it goes back, and I have one that was on the opposite side, a loyalist. Wow. First out and had to go to Canada. That's crazy. I know. And then like a generation later, his um, daughter comes back into the country and marries into the American line again. So it's like, you know, they just couldn't, couldn't stay away. <laughs> <laughs> but that same line uh, goes back another goes into the pilgrims. It's like wow. really, really fun and cool. And it's like, I want to go out there. And I'm in Montana, I'm in the West, I want to go out there and I want to do even more research. And this is the kind of thing that got me into doing um, genealogical studies and research right. and things like that. Also why I love doing historical writing. And I started doing the indentured thing for this book because there's a possibility that two of those ancestors came over and were indentured servants and how they were then allowed to go fight for their master or the person who held their indenture. And then they would be freed sooner if they lived. Yeah. So that was one of the things I was researching. And I have not yet 
found a document to prove or disprove that theory of indenture, but mm. they did die in the war. Yeah, you'd have you'd have to probably find letters that were correspondence that was written between people. That's that's pretty common to find it. Yeah, it, it, you, we hope those are things that are pretty tough to find because for me, um, how do you find them? That's this, so if somebody wants to go doing this research, how do you find the letters? Because I'm well, still searching for like the the marriage and the birth. Uh, I've got the deaths, but I don't have the marriage and the birth. Yeah, those those are typically so. The, the, what I've learned from doing the research for the movie is, any like legal documents are typically with the court system, mm -hmm. and the court system, whatever the court system was back then, it was obviously not as you know sophisticated as it is nowadays. Right. Uh, but they kept copies of everything. Mm -hmm. um, the courts, from what I understand, they hired they hired people to write out copies of everything, handwrite. Each document, uh, like you're saying, a birth and a marriage, um, the court would have a copy of that. Where they store that, that's another question. Okay, mm -hmm. you, you have to find that answer. That's but the, it 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 is it is in existence unless it burned down. Okay, if the building burned down, and all the documents went with it, well, there you go. But the historical societies of every city or town, they usually keep vast amount of resources of documents. Every, I mean, every one I've been to has rooms full of documents. So you might be able to find those. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up – I did join some of like the Western Pennsylvania Genealogical Society and Historical Society. And I joined another one as well because I'm, I want to know these answers. And at one right. point, I found the two Thomas Nelsons on a ship, thought they were the wrong ones. Because our family, for the longest time, had this story that Thomas Nelson Jr. that signed the Declaration of Independence was our ancestor. Turns out he wasn't. Mm. And I disproved that theory, but didn't know what I didn't know at the time. Had put the book back on the shelf, left it there in the Pennsylvania State Library, and I cannot tell you which book it was now. I have got uh. to go back there to find the book. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I have a cousin who says, hey, I can send my sister. I'm like, I don't know what book it was. So I have to go myself just to say, okay, I remember it was here. It was here. You know what I mean? But then in addition, the, the laws were very different for women at that time. Women didn't have rights to their children until the early 1900s to the mid-1900s. Like my three times great-grandfather, David Nelson, he was he would have gone through the orphan courts, but I haven't found the orphan court records. Women weren't allowed to keep their children if there was a surviving male in the family that hmm. you know they would give those children to the male thinking that they could support them where the women couldn't. So women did not have rights to their children in the 1700s, uh, 1800s. So when Thomas Nelson Jr. of Pennsylvania, not of Virginia, died in the war, October 12, 1777, uh, his wife no longer had rights to keep her son. Jesus. Uh -huh. it's, hor it's horrible. Isn't it? And it's because we have such different sensibilities. Yeah. She married in 1780 and was allowed to keep her daughter, but she couldn't keep her son. So I'm looking for that orphan court record. Just stumbled onto learning that information and ran out of time at the Pennsylvania State Archives. So I'm just like, ah! <laughs> Well, like I, like I said, if you do enough digging, you might get closer and closer. Um, there are there are a ton of resources out there. You just got to really do the research. And and I don't mean like one day or one week worth of research. I mean a couple of months up to a year. You know, you really got to look for that stuff. But you could find it. You just yeah. got to – you know what else you could do, um, which is a smart move, is to look for documents 
related to the time period that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Not so much the person, but the time period. Like land uh, records but, and things like that. Yeah, locations, um, court records, neighborhood meetings, um, things like that where his name might pop up. A lot of times in these documents, what you'll find is a lot of names are at the end in the signatures. Mm-hmm. And when I say a lot of names, I'm talking like 15 to 30 names. It's not always just one or two people signing. It's like the entire community. So you might find Nelson on these documents. You just got to look. Yeah, I think that would be really, really cool. I got to go back there and look. Otherwise, yeah. you have to hire somebody to go do that for you. Did you Correct. do all the research yourself for the King's Highway? Oh, most of it, yeah. It's really? exhausting. Um, most of it, yeah. I had a lot of help from the producers um, because that's what they, they've been you know, dedicating their lives to doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the purposes of the film and telling a story and being able to piece everything together, yeah, a lot of the research I had to do by myself. Um, and I had to learn the, the old English language and I had mm-hmm. to learn how to read the documents and I had to learn, you know, I had to figure out what belonged and what didn't belong and why they belonged and stuff like that. So um, it was just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work. But now, you know, I'm a kind of a unofficial history expert of Philadelphia and America's uh, origin story, yeah, so to speak. I think it's really cool. I think, you know, being the entrepreneur you are, you could um, put together a tour, you know, like people come in and do historical retreats where they go learn how to search through documents for their own stuff or they want to, especially with 2026 coming up, you could do a massive event where people come in and learn all this stuff and you get to be the headline speaker and, you know, then you kind of send them out for the afternoon to go to libraries or archives or historical societies. They come back, they learn some more. Send them out again. You could do a huge event like that. I'm kind of yeah. into that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so ironically, we already do that. Um, do you? Yeah, we already do that. We we like I speak I speak at an event maybe once a week, sometimes once every other week, either mm-hmm. at a church or historical society, a college or a library. Um, that's why I was telling you before my calendar is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have requests all the way through 2018. Um, to speak. So yeah, so it's, it's a constant thing. And a a lot of what's happened since the movie came out, it's, it has sparked a whole new wave of interest from the community and from, you know, residents of Philadelphia and people in America as a whole, it has gone completely crazy. I, I didn't expect it to happen, but now Everybody wants to preserve history. Everybody wants to be a part of it. And what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing is these organizations are now pushing it more and more and more. And universities are creating these workshops Mm -hmm. to help you tell stories, help you do what you just said, how to do the research, how to document it, how to find the documents. Um, Manor College around here uh, just started Hands-On History. Um, it's it's literally next week is the first one where it's a workshop to teach people how to do this, how to tell a story, how to find the information for the story, how to document it, how to find the documents, et cetera, et cetera. So it's already happening. And then as for the tour, um, I've been planning the Kings Highway bus tour for the past six months, and uh, we're getting closer to having it everything finalized. Part of it was finding an illustrator to create the map that would be handed out to each person Mm -hmm. and putting together the stops for the tour and the descriptions. And we have to create metal signs to place on the side of the road, Um, everything. I mean, we're, we're, we're putting this together and it should should be ready by spring, 2018. If all goes well. Oh my gosh, I want to go. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So. So if you have any details, you know, that you want promoted, send that over and we'll share it here, not only on the show, but, um, social media and stuff like that. I mean, that's just incredible. 
Yeah, right now what what I have, it's not much, but what I have is uh, on the King's Highway website, I I added a link on the top nav called Preservation, and that Preservation link has kind of our initiatives, like what we're working on right now, and the first line says, organize and host an official King's Highway bus tour to attract tourism. So, you know, that's on the Preservation page. We also have a survey, which is bus tour dot kingshighwayfilm.com and that's for anybody who wants to get involved and be a part of it they can just fill out it's a quick survey and they can answer a couple of questions and then you know we'll get those questions and we also have a um if you go to the king's highway website on the home page you'll see it says join the cause in our public chat room um and that is uh you know slack and people can talk about education or community or preservation or stories or the bus tour. It's just a public way of people talking instead of just using Facebook. And then, of course, our Facebook is huge. So, you know, we I've been really kind of trying to stay on top of this stuff. And again, yeah. I'm doing it, I'm doing it by myself mostly. Um, but as you see, the website is really the best place to go um, to do anything because the website has our Slack. It has our Amazon movie. It has um, the Facebook page, the Twitter um, it has a way for you to support the film um, through volunteering or purchasing the merchandise or going to the preservation page. So, I mean, there's there's a lot. The movie, you know, people don't realize. I mean, well, they do realize now. But at one point, they, they didn't understand that the movie really was kind of a, a, a launch pad. Mm. You know, it was it was like a platform. It was a way to tell people, here's what the story is. Here's what you can do about it now. And now it's up to you to get involved. And they are. So it worked. And it goes right into things like Find My Past, Ancestry.com, all of these different opportunities for people to understand not only what history was, but how it affects us today and how we're all a huge community that are interacting and the past does affect who we are today. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. And we're back with Jason Sherman, our guest today. He has done the King's Highway movie, and you can find it on kingshighwayfilm.com. And we're talking about all of the amazing things you can do to not only find out our country's history, but learn a little bit about your own family history, your own origins, and what it means to you today. But, you know, Jason, I want to know, how in the world do you get all of this stuff done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess the, the, the main thing I would say is to stay healthy and take a lot of breaks. I mean, we've talked about this, you and I, a bunch mm -hmm. of times. Um, you know, people think that 
when you're an entrepreneur and you, you're working 16 hour days, seven days a week, and it's like 150 hours a week, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, I, I'll admit there were moments in time where I was doing that, you know, when things were very, things were, were growing at a, at a breakneck speed and I didn't have a choice, but to kind of keep up with it. You're um, not quite at the place where you can afford assistance, but you, but you, it's too much for you. And so you add on the hours. You add on the hours and, mm-hmm. and it's stressful and it's difficult and it's challenging and you get burnt eventually. And mm-hmm. I did get burnt at one point. Um, but, you know, I was able to succeed so many times at so many different things that I was able to get more comfortable um, at, in a more uh, healthy routine where I can take um, as many breaks as I can. So as soon as I start feeling, you know, pressure or stress or, or you know, exhaustion, I can step away from my computer or step away from my desk and go for a walk or, or, you know, go to the park with my dog or get a coffee break or, or, or do some yoga or go to the gym. Like I'm able to do that now, whereas before I had to just kind of, you know, fight through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I do all the things I do? Because people ask me that every day. I get asked uh, that a lot too. <laughs> I'm sure you do, you know, because you and I are, are a rare breed. Um, I, I had this conversation with, with a friend the other day um, who you know, she, she said she wanted to do this and she wanted to do that. And she, you know, she wants to write a book. She wants to, you know, teach yoga. She wants to, um, help people with, uh, you know, whatever. And, and, and she just won't do it. And I say, well, why don't you just do it? Why and not? she says, well, you know, I have a job and I have a husband and I have kids. And, and, and I say, all I'm hearing is excuses, excuses, mm-hmm. excuses. Um, That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, and, and I think the problem the, the main issue or challenge people have with starting a business or, or writing a book, for example, or making a movie is that they, they, they see it as this huge daunting task that is impossible to do and it's going to take up too much time and they, they're not sure if it's going to succeed. So they're afraid of failure and risking time and money. And what I tell everybody is you have to stop looking at it that way. You have to set small goals yeah. Make make these small priority lists. You know, tackle one thing at a time. Um, you don't have to write a book tomorrow. Write just a couple of bullet points on an outline. Don't that, write yeah. the, don't don't even write the entire outline. Just write a couple of points on the outline. Um, you know, the next day write a couple more points, and before you know it, you'll have an entire outline, and that's one task finished. Mm-hmm. Now, move on to chapter chapter one. Don't worry about finishing chapter one. I say write 500 words a day. I, I, look, I'm writing a book right now. Okay, I'm literally just surpassed 25,000 words. So I, my goal is 500 to 1,000 words every day. Some days I don't hit that. Most days I do. The days that I don't, I don't worry about it. I'm not going to like, you know, cry about it and say, oh, I didn't reach my, okay, oh, well, there's always tomorrow, <laughs> you know, like right. don't, don't get so worked up over not, you know, and you know, you're going to, you're making, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Okay. So, you know, part of what my book does strap on your boots is to help you avoid those mistakes. Um, and by learning from your mistakes, it'll get easier next time. Well, um, I think too, the thing is that people are afraid of mistakes. Like you said, they're afraid of failure there, which initially is what they think it is, but it's really they're afraid of success. Yeah. And what I'm thinking personally is that when you're afraid to try, it's because you're afraid of being um, 
what what is it? People staring at you, point finger, judge, right? Yeah. You're afraid of being judged that you're a failure. You're afraid of the label somebody's going to stick on you. But it, the people who are the most successful, we've heard time and again, are those who have failed the most. Of course. Overcoming that fear. And I think for people who want to write, I tell them the same thing you do. I'm in the middle of writing another book. This will be book number 16. And wow. it's to me, that's nothing because I have friends who've, uh, Tracy Peterson, who's written 110 plus books. <laughs> My friend Darlene Franklin has written over 50, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're ahead of me. So I feel like I'm, I'm eating their dust and that drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, you guys are all underachievers. <laughs> You're just not doing enough with your life. Not enough, yeah. And that radio shows and, and volunteering, right? You know, but the the goal is that when I sit down to write a book, I do what you said. I write out a plot, and everybody goes, "Well, I'm a pantser." And for those who don't know pantsers, they just write whatever they think they're going to write. Well, you right. end up spending a lot of time meandering yeah, through something. So what I tell people to do is write two to three sentences per chapter. Yep. And then go back. And write the chapter. And if you don't feel like writing that chapter, you've got two to three sentences on another chapter. You already know where it's going. You can write that different chapter. I've popped all over different books, but because I have the outline of it, I can do that. I and do literally the same exact thing. Really? Wow. Yep. I, I, write out, I write out what I want the plot points to be per chapter. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I get even more in detail. I do. So I do a beginning, sometimes middle, and end. Sometimes you get carried away, huh? You get into yeah. it, it's like, oh, I like this one, and you can't stop. And yeah, then, I, I, I write so much detail in my outlines. But you know what? Like you said, it makes it so much easier to write a book because you have a guideline. You have yeah. a guide, You have a path that you want to write. And one thing I want to mention, um, you were saying that people are afraid of failure mm -hmm. and, and success and whatnot. I teach – when I teach – I teach at a couple colleges. And, um, my, I just my, did my, that my, yesterday. Yeah, and I'm doing it again um, the next couple of weeks at uh, Wharton and UPenn and next spring as well. So the one thing I teach, it's the last slide in my in my course. I have my, my, my presentation open just so I can look at it. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I have is um, a picture of Yoda. <laughs> and, and it says, focus on things you can control. Because if Master Yoda was an entrepreneur, he would say, no failure there is, only learning. Oh, so, I love that. You know, and, and that's and I, 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 you know, came up with that because you know it, it really is true. Like you think you made a mistake, but no, you learned how not to do something, and and that's part of life is learning how to be better at things. And if you just look at it that way, and part of what I tell people is to never stop learning. Um, I can't tell you how many friends of mine are over 40 and they say, oh, it's too late. I can't learn how to program now and, or I can't learn how to write a book and I can't, I can't learn yoga. It's just too late. I'm like, too late? Warren Buffett didn't make his first million until he was like 55 years old. Oh, see, you I'm know? a young thing then. I'm only 53. Yeah, so you, and, and you've already <laughs> written 16 books. So like yeah. you're, you know, but my point is, is that just be, even if you, okay, so say right now, Angela, you did not write a book yet. And right. then you're telling me, Jason, I'm, I, I love the King's Highway. I'm doing research on writing my first book at 53 years old. I'd say, congratulations. You're just a human being who decided to write a book now instead of, you know, 25 years ago. Right. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how old you are. People have to get that out of their heads. And so, um, my friend, Martha Rogers, she, um, started writing and got her first book published. I think she was 70. Two or seventy, yeah, she was in her in her middle seventies, and all of a sudden she popped, and she had twelve books in less than ten years. 
Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's those kinds of people that I look at and I go, I want to be like her when I grow up. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I it's told, something that people, it. yeah, people, um, they put those stops on their abilities. And I think sometimes it's because they're listening. I have a book out called uh, Gems of Wisdom, The Treasure of Experience. And it's a nonfiction book. And it's because people put those limitations on you. They label you or you hear the scripts in your head. Oh, you're just stupid. Oh, you're just a girl. Oh, you're just this. Oh, you're just that. You know, yeah. oh, you're the class clown. You know, whatever. Whatever label somebody's going to stick on you, you start to believe it more than you believe the internal calling that's really on your life. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, it's all perception. I mean, you're, you're, you can make yourself think whatever you want. You'll start to believe the lie if you don't listen to your to the truth, you know, and mm -hmm. that's just like it's, just, it's all mental. You know, yeah. you, you can, and that's one of the things, one of the points on my list here is exude greatness. You want to, you know, feel that you're doing good things. Um, you want to, you know, feel like everything that you do in your life has meaning and, and that's, you know, choose a job that you love. That's one of the things here. It says, you know, you don't want to feel as though you're working. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I've been a, a self-employed entrepreneur full-time for over 12 years now. Nice. And, you know, and some people say, wow, you passed that five-year, you know, stigma that says after five years you go out of business. I'm, I'm at 12 now and I'm never going to go back. <laughs> so, you know, I love what I do every single day. I don't feel like I work ever, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's how you have to get to that point. You have to get to the point where what you are doing, you truly love it so that when people say, well, what do you do for a living? say, well, I don't really work. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur and what I do changes the world in some way. So, you know, I don't really have a quote unquote job. Sure. Mm -hmm. I have a tech company and I have to build websites and mobile apps for people, but I enjoy that. You know, I enjoy that. Like I love building and, and creating. So, you know, that's one of the things here. Also creating is never stop learning. You have to continuously learn and research, learn and research, become an expert at something. Um, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, Right. doing something for 10,000 hours, eventually you become an expert. They say practice makes perfect. I say practice makes you an expert. So, you know, practicing means, you know, it's a daunting task. I get it. But do a little bit every day. Read a little bit every day. Write a little bit every day. Create a little bit every day. Don't make it this huge, huge task. Pick at it very little bit every day, and after a year or six months or 30 days, you will have something tangible, and you'll have learned a bunch, and you'll have some have accomplished something. You, you'll feel so good about yourself, like wow, I did it, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead of making it all about the the end goal, you know, like enjoy the journey too, not just the destination, as they always say, you know. I'm in the process of learning um, how to write a screenplay. I think creators are creators, writers are writers, and so I wrote a book. I like the book a lot. I want to see it as a movie. I wrote it very visual. So I started writing this screenplay, and it, it came in just a little short. And after I finished it, I looked back and I went, oh, I remember there was this scene when I was going to sleep the other night, but I never put it in. You know what I mean? So how many like, pages How many right, pages did you write? Uh, right now it's 85, and it needs 85. to be 110. Right? 85? Eight, not really. I mean, I wrote a – my last screenplay was – this historical one I told you about, about mm -hmm. Lydia Dara, the spy, um, the spy one. Oh, I um, thought that was so cool. Yeah.
we're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Hi, we're back with Jason Sherman, who is encouraging me in leaps and bounds. I, I know he's encouraging you. And I, I have all sorts of questions, and I know we're going to run out of time, because uh, we just have so much to share. But we're going to definitely ask him to come back on the show in the future um, so if you have questions or things like that for Jason Sherman about um, being an entrepreneur, about writing a movie, about history, you know, you can go ahead and send them in to me. My website is AngelaBreidenbach.com. There's a contact page right on there. Or you can find me on social media at Ange Breidenbach, A-N-G-B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. Send me a note through any social media channel that's your favorite. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest as a general rule, and uh, you find me there, I will answer your question or put it in a lineup for a future show. Jason, I want to hear more about Strap on Your Boots. I want to hear more about anything you want to share because I feel like you're a diamond mine. Yeah, and you know, uh, you were just mentioning all these social things and all these places. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a really vast repository of information right on my website and uh, jasonsherman.org. And on that website, you'll find all my social links. You'll find articles I've written on my own news publication called Lean Tech News, which can answer a lot of questions for a lot of people without having to ask me because I write these articles. When I get asked these questions from people, I say, well, here's how you do it. And then there you go. Um, Same same goes for Technically Philly, who I write for. And I have a YouTube channel that was acquired by Mm zoomin.tv. It's a a how-to video series. Um, that I do so people can go on there one of the videos happens to be how to write a screenplay in nice. final dra- in final draft and final draft uh, is how I'm doing it so and yeah, I'm just and, learning it yeah and people people always say to me um, I want to write a screenplay but I don't know how to do it and I admit is definitely a different kind of writing style I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've written I've now written one it's two like three from yeah it, it is it is it is it is you know but it's um, just a book, format yeah, books are very descriptive, and um, and and uh, screenplays are not. Screenplays are more dialogue driven, with very with with very short descriptions, if at all. It's more about like uh, movements and where people, you know, you don't want to write like. And Bob looked very sad when he looked at the ground, and the dog was there dying, and he picked him up crying. That you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more about you know the dog was dying, Bob picked it up, and then he says something. You know, and you might put sad in like the parentheses. So mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's it's very different. Um, it's very different. But yeah, so I did a I did a a, a screenplay um, tutorial, and I got a lot of comments on that What's one. What's the YouTube channel it's on? Um, it's it's just my name. So oh, if okay, you go to Jason YouTube, YouTube.com slash Jason Sherman seventy six, my bicentennial, and oh, you'll find and you'll. You'll find a whole bunch of videos on um, how to write a movie script, um, how to create a song in Pro Tools, how to make mobile app sign-up screens, um, Ooh, how to le- mobile app. Yeah, yeah. how I le- teach you how to how to trade um, cryptocurrencies, how to promote your business using social media, how to write press releases and um, you know submit them to journalists, um, and so on and so forth. There's a bunch of other ones on there. Sounds and, to me like you're a walking college yourself. Yeah, I mean. That's why I teach at these at these schools. I, mm-hmm. I you know these kid these kids like here's the thing. Um, any entrepreneur who I've ever met who comes to me for advice or wants to hire me as a consultant, um, they've already failed. Uh, you know by spending ten thousand dollars and spent maybe a year or two of their life and they have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. So 
what I've been able to do with, you know, in terms of data, I've been able to figure out that I save an entrepreneur roughly two years of their time, maybe a year, and at least $50,000 worth of money um, or, you know, or less or more. Mm -hmm. So I tend to think that, you know, by using my methodologies in my book or taking my online course, which is on Udemy, um, which is like a 77 video course. And by doing either of these, you are guaranteed to save time and money, no matter what it is you're trying to do. And the results are proven time and time again. I have tons of uh, startups that I work with. Um, For example, this woman who's one of my neighbors has been wanting to write an autobiography. Um, I I showed her how to do an outline. I showed her how to do what you said about writing a sentence or two per per chapter. Mm -hmm. I call Um, it the skeleton key. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of showed her like, you know, how it doesn't have to be this daunting task. And my point is by by showing people repeatedly over and over again, I finally came to the conclusion, um, you know, about two years ago to write the book, create the course and kind of unleash my knowledge onto the world so that I don't have to be the, you know, the person constantly telling everybody what to do instead of a book or a course. It's just easier. and takes and a lot of time. And is that the title, um, The Bootstraps? The Strap on your boots is the name of the book. It's Uh on Amazon. Um, It's also on Barnes and Noble and any other place. You know, I use Ingram Spark and Create Space, so it's available everywhere. Yep. So it's available everywhere. And then the course on Udemy. It's on my. If you go to JasonSherman.org, you'll see Mm -hmm. it there. It says the course is online. It's called Strap. uh, It's called Startup Essentials. Okay. And the course is um, very very thorough. Um, and then um, all my writing is available online. My screenplays, uh, White Marsh and Gender Bender, are both available online. People, they're not, they, they have not been picked up by any producers. Um, so White Marsh is the historical war drama screenplay, and Gender Bender is a romantic comedy with a little bit of fantasy. Um, perfect for the LGBTQT community nowadays. Um, it's just I wrote it like years before that hit the mainstream. Um, but those two screenplays of mine have not been picked up. So they're just sitting on my website for people to look at. If anybody wants to pick it up, they're more than welcome to. And uh, if in the future you feel like producing it yourself, you can. Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. They just, they they would just require a little bit more of a budget than what I've been able to come up with. So far. Um, Yeah, so far. So Because what we do know is that (laughs) we keep moving forward and we keep building because we don't know what the the outcome is going to be at the end of our lives. It's the goal of of leading your life in the way that you should go, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yep. And and there's always that, you know, the larger goal, people say, well, what's next for you? And I, I just keep telling people, um, you know, between the movies and the books and the apps that I've built and the products that I've invented and the courses I've created and all the things I've done, mm-hmm. um, I'm still doing the same thing every day. I'm creating new things, cre- you know, learning and researching and writing and creating and coming up and helping people. And I'm never going to stop doing that, you know. Uh, so one of the things we talked about, though, too, was that how busy we both are. And we had a great conversation last week. It was awesome. But we both realized that there's a point where your body just says no. And you have to rest. Yes. How are you? How are you dealing with that these days? And staying as creative and um, productive as you are. Yeah, and and that's actually a good point because we talked about the other day how now we're you and I are both in a position where we can pick and choose what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before, I mean, like when I say before, I probably want to say um, from 2005 until roughly 2011 or 12. Um, I, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I had to take every job that came my way, every contract that came my way, whether I wanted to do it or not. 
I had to do it because I needed the finances. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you succeed enough times and you make enough uh, money and you're able to, um, you know, get to the point where your credibility is out there and people, you you know, you can ask for more money and people refer you because you did a great job. Then you have way too many jobs coming in and you can pick and choose the ones that you truly believe in the most. Um, And I've gotten to the point. Um, even more recently, the past, I guess, the past handful of years, where now I'm able to work with companies on an equity basis um, as opposed to strictly cash. So if a startup comes my way and they have an amazing idea, um, I can, uh, I can do. You take equity in the company yeah, versus hey, I, pay me straight forward. Yeah, I can do like a 50% equity. That's a very, very cool place to be. Exactly. And Looks like it, I'm chasing it, your dust on that now, too. Not just the uh, amount of books I want to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, everyone has a different way of doing things and everybody has um, everybody has a different, uh, you know, different goals and, and, and stuff like that in mind. So, um, you know, just because you're, you know, look, you wrote 16 books, right? So I've only written one, two, three, four books. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on my fifth right now. So um, you've tripled mine, you know. <laughs> I love that. That makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Now you just got to start writing screenplays, and they're and by the way, screenplay writing. Wait, wait, wait! Is, You've got three screenplays done. Um, Bucks County Massacre, King's Highway, Gender Bender, White Marsh. That's four screenplays four. that I've written so far. Okay, I was I've I've, got one. I started writing my fifth um, recently, but I didn't finish it because I started so writing at, this. I'm at twenty percent of your of your output there. <laughs> yeah, so you're getting there. You're getting there. Okay, okay, I'm feeling better. <laughs> And, and keep in mind, screenplays are much more difficult to write than books. Much, 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 much more difficult because the industry, when it comes to writing books, as they say, there's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, with screenplays, there is right or wrong. Big time. Big time, big time, big time. If you can't grab a producer's attention in the first 10 pages, they will not continue reading. That's the rule. the same rule. as if you're trying to do traditional publishing. Um, if you can't grab the editor's uh, attention within usually the first three pages or less, they won't even finish the chapter. You're done for. So that's where a lot of people get really nervous and they've spent months like writing screenplays, months or years writing a book, and then they can't get it in front of somebody to actually finish reading that to see, oh, well, it's good if we just did this and this and this and this. They don't want that in traditional publishing. Whereas right. the, and their guidelines are so narrow. You have to fit their business goals. And that's what people don't realize. If your book or your movie or your song gets rejected, it isn't being rejected because you're necessarily bad. You might need to work on your skills, but usually it's rejected because it doesn't fit their business plan. Correct. Like the market, um, the market dictates what, you know, Hollywood, for example, I I can't tell you how many agents I've sent scripts to Mm -hmm. where they said, Jason, I love your script, but right now we're not looking for that. We're looking for a female lead who helps, who gets out of a nasty situation by herself without the help of law enforcement. And I'm like, geez, that's really specific. Um, But like, here's what I, here's what I suggest. Write a screenplay to anybody out there, write a screenplay about an idea that you think is marketable. Okay. Come up with unique characters, unique locations. Don't make it too expensive to shoot, meaning keep it one or two camera in your mind. You don't want to put any shooting uh, words in there like, oh, left pan and, and zoom in. Keep all that out. That's all don't directors. Don't direct the director. Mm-hmm. No, direct director. Okay, just keep it nice and – it's called a spec script. And you know, make it so that uh, if somebody does like your idea but it's not the right market – 
what I tell people is look at what the agents are saying they want because they are typically very specific as to what they're looking for. Then go write that script and then pitch it to them and they might take it. You know, it, it doesn't mean that you're, that doesn't mean that your script won't ever get bought. Look at me. I have two scripts sitting online right now available for pickup. One's a historical drama and one's a, one's a romance comedy that I've pitched and nobody wants, but I know they're good. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that because people have read them and told me they're amazing, but they're not the right market fit right now. Mm-hmm. Or I haven't gotten into the hands of the right producer. Or they so, might be um, coming up, you know, because there's different things. Look at the look at even at Outlander or something like that, where the book was a hit 20 years ago, right. and then all of a sudden they've turned it into sudden. a screenplay. You're listening yeah. to Lit Up with Angela Breidenbach and our guest Jason Sherman, and we hope that you will tune in again soon as we continue to help you build your creative career into a lucrative option for you to live out your dreams. Thank you for joining us on Lit Up. Light up your literary world. Expand your imagination. Enhance your life. Lit Up will be back next week with another great conversation. Join us, won't you? Right here on Lit Up. I'd rather be